Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Is the countdown new? It's relatively new, I think. Sweet. It's just so you know that now it's time to only do the gold. Now it's time to party. Mm-hmm. Is it from when Zencaster did their rebrand that we were adamantly against? Yeah. Had a lot of little bells and whistles. You know what I noticed? What when you mentioned California, and then we all did the Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation. There are just some voices where everybody has to give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. What's the deal with that? Yeah. California. I'll get to the chopper. Everybody has these go tos. Is it is it because it's really easy to get it relatively close? Maybe. I, I feel like that a similar one is Christopher Walken. <laughs> Good night, moon. Good night, cow jumping. Over the moon. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's got an Arnold. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So what's up, guys? You guys chilling like villains or what? Yeah, I'm chilling pretty hard. I, I told you guys, but getting over a little bit of a cold, <clears throat> which my nephews definitely gave me. Um yeah, I went up last week and spent some time with little Paul and uh, and Anthony, who are some of the cutest cutest little dudes. They're my younger brother's children. And uh, actually, when I got up to the house, I was up there for my off day and wanted to spend the night with them and just hang out during the day. And I, I didn't know that they were sort of sick when I got up there. And uh, I show up and Kev's like, oh, dude, by the way, they've been battling a little bit of a cold and so you know you you might you might get sick or whatever i'm like okay whatever you know you just i'm up here it's too late i'm not gonna leave now you know so we're hanging out and sure enough i come back to the rectory and two days later like i feel it in my throat and i text my little brother and i'm like oh man dude i totally i totally got the bug that they had you know and and we're kind of laughing like I wonder where you got it from, you know. Uh, I wonder, I wonder what what could have happened. And they send me a bunch of photos of just me hanging out with the, the nephews, <laughs> and just like tons of photos of them being disgustingly snotty, like <laughs> right in my face, like coughing in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> like this is I love this is one. the moment right, right here. It coughs in your face. <laughs> like, we're like sharing a popsicle stick together. <laughs> You're like, I don't know when you got it. Could have been anywhere. Like, oh, shoot. This is very, this is some pretty damning evidence right here. <laughs> Worth it though. So getting over the cold, but doing well. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, doing good. I got uh, confirmations this weekend, which I'm pumped about. Get to confirm 16 third graders, and um, they received their first communion. And then this is also the last weekend for like our Sunday campus mask because they're taking finals next week and then heading heading home. So it's a 
a pretty busy couple week stretch, but all all good stuff. I found it very life giving doing well. Nice. Yeah, I've had some. We talked the other night. Had a long priest day, just doing priest stuff, and it's been it's been good. Uh, I think after a year of not having that much stuff, it's kind of like feels a little bit like things are. Uh, at least from our lives perspectives, going back to somewhat normal, uh, the good kind of busy just with people all day <clears throat> doing right, the things priests do. I, I like that distinction, the good kind of busy. It's not like I, I, we've just been sitting around doing nothing. It's like, well, I just been sitting in front of a computer. Yeah. A bad kind of busy. Yeah. Doing a bunch of nothing. Yeah. Good busy with people. I like that. Well, you guys got anything you've been thinking about? Hmm. Not really. I just started reading uh, Death Comes Through the Archbishop. Kind of excited about that. Nice. Oh, very cool. That's yeah. A great book. But I'm not far enough into it to have any like big thoughts on it yet. Mm-hmm. Um. I gave a talk the other night and it was kind of fun. Um, yeah, I, it's kind of a cool idea and I don't know if we've ever talked about it before. And I mean, I'd love to love to get y'all's thoughts on it. It's not super fleshed out, which is unfortunate because I gave a talk on it. And so you think it, <laughs> <laughs> it would be. Uh, so if y'all want to help me develop this talk, that'd be great. Uh, we can do it live here. Uh, but I came across this idea from Dr. Han. Uh, well, I guess it was, it's an idea in scripture that, that he explained in a way that helped me to understand it. Um, that talks about the correlation and, and just the relationship between fatherhood and, and priesthood. And the thing that caught me about it was that, you know, in seminary, when we're going through formation to be priests, we, we oftentimes look to natural biological fathers and, and look to, to things that we can learn from how they live as fathers so that we can be fathers like them in the parish, like spiritual fathers. And the idea is that, well, it kind of goes both ways, that um, fathers of homes can also look to priests. Um, you know, they're, they're priests in their parish, but then what it looks like to be a priest in Scripture and in the Old Testament to learn how to be a better father. And the idea is ingrained in like the original plan uh, for God was that there, there wasn't that the father of a household was also meant to be the priest of the household, that they were meant to offer up sacrifice and, and pray with their family. They were meant to bless their family and protect them as the, as, as a priest and, and as a father. Um, and I think after the story in the book of Exodus, when uh, Moses comes back down from the mountain and Aaron has led all the people astray, and it's this hilarious story of <laughs> of him building the golden calf, and they all start to worship false gods, and Moses comes down and hears the people in revelry and, and smashes the tablets, and then he melts the gold and makes them drink the water filled with the gold, and and then he actually asks for a, a, a tribe to come and like, who's going to fight for the one true God. And it's the Levi's, the, the tribe of Levi that comes and they become the priestly class. 
and they slaughter all the people who are idolaters and they're kind of instituted as like the priestly tribe from that point. And Dr. Han was saying it, it wasn't always meant to be that way, that the, the fathers of the households were meant to offer up the sacrifice for their family. They were meant to pray with their families. They were meant to lead their, their families in prayer with their, their specific home. It was like this little domestic church. But then because of sin, you know, this connection between fatherhood and priesthood was ruptured. But that Christ, he comes to restore and reconcile all those things as the one true priest that brings us to the Father. And now we, we share in those things in the sacramental priesthood, but then, you know, the priesthood of the baptized. Um, and so what I did was just say, you know, kind of take that take that idea and say, well, you know, what are the things that we do as a priest? And and I gave a talk to some of the men of the parish here. It was in Spanish, and so it was it was extra not good, <laughs> like explaining all this stuff and trying to get to some of the Old Testament roots of it and, uh, you know, telling that story of like sin divides us from what God originally had planned for us, but Christ comes to reconcile those things. So, you know, as a priest, I'm also meant to be a father to all of you fathers, but then as, uh, as a father, like y'all are meant to be a priest at home to your families. And I just gave them three really simple things to do um, was bless your children as like give a fatherly blessing, like legitimately mark them with the sign of the cross like a priest does uh, when they bring people into the church in baptism. And after every mass, like we bless our children, um, teach them how to pray, meaning like be a, be a man of prayer like a priest and, and lead your family in prayer. And uh, when you, when you teach your children, don't just teach them, you know, intellectually, but let them see you pray so that they can, you know, see their father pray like a, like a priest and kind of lead his family in prayer. Um, and then just offer up sacrifice like a priest, offer up sacrifice for your family and, you know, give your time and, and really give your heart to your family so that you can, you can offer them up to the Lord. And it was just, it, it was a fun talk and it, it was really underdeveloped, but um, it just seemed to make a, a lot of sense. Um, you know, and, and Dr. Han, he, it's so cool to listen to him and to read some of his writing. Cause I think he really lives that super well as, as a father and a priest at home for his children. He, he really wants to bless them and to teach them how to pray and, and to offer up sacrifice for them. Um, and so then to, to see it lived out well in him, gave these like really concrete examples of seeing that just like we can look to fathers at home to see what it looks like to be a spiritual father. Well, at, in the same, in the same token, fathers at home can look to priests to, to learn like what, well, the, what's a part of this priestly identity of a dad um, to lead your family and teach your children how to pray and yeah, that be the, be the spiritual leader at home there. So again, it was a fun talk, and like I said, it's it's a little bit underdeveloped. But um, yeah, those are some of the ideas that I've been thinking about, and wanted to see if y'all had any thoughts on it. I think it's right on, dude. <clears throat> I think one of the great tragedies and works of the evil one is that uh, many men think of religion as kind of mom's job in the house. You know what I mean, like. Actually, I, I have seen 
uh, in the parish, women like blessing their children, uh, putting the sign of the cross on their forehead uh, as they're going into school and things like that, um, which is beautiful. But many times it's the it's the mom that's dragging them to church. It's the mom that's teaching them to pray, which is also beautiful as the way my mom was when I was growing up before my dad converted. But there's something different when the when the dad um, takes on that authority and that leadership in a way that's not like domineering, but simply priestly in the way that Jesus is a priest. We um, just know this man is completely for me, but on behalf of God, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. I think that the, the feminization of religion, um, and making it feel like it's not this thing that calls men to this great sacrifice and holiness, um, has been really harmful for that. But yeah, in the old Testament, it was, it was the job of these, of these fathers to most of Judaism is practiced in the home. As far as I understand it, at least modern Judaism, um, cause the temple priests, the Levites were only in Jerusalem. So if you lived in Galilee, that was a few times a year you went to those priests, but otherwise it was the synagogue, the rabbis, and then, uh, the family at home on the Sabbath, you know, praying, learning the law, obeying it. Um, yeah, I don't have any big thoughts. It's good stuff. Um, it reminds me of, uh, I just listened to an Art of Manliness podcast a couple weeks ago, a week or so ago, and um, they were talking about, I can't remember what it was called, but this guy had written a book of um, like as as a dude, and this guy was a dad and everything, but he was just talking about how hard it was to have friendships. Like I think he he realized it when he had turned about 40 or so. And so I didn't even finish the the podcast, but he wrote a book on the experience of like how do you actually um, develop and sustain like good friendships with other men when he got kids and a wife and um, which he was like super committed to and loved. And he said that was just kind of the, his whole, um, you know, social calendar. It was like work and family, which was really good, but just, he realized he, he needed, um, he needed good, good friendships in his life and found it extraordinarily hard to cultivate and, and do at that particular stage in his life. And, Anyway, like I said, I didn't get into the the like the real details of it, but it was nice. There was a little dialogue just kind of back and forth. There's probably only two minutes be- between this guy and Brett McKay. And it was just very honest of like, you know, it, it's interesting um, to think about. But even McKay was like, yeah, it's like guys just communicate um, so differently. It's kind of the whole basic thing of... Um, you know, if you're, if you're talking generally, like women communicate better, like talking face to face and, and men are the shoulder to shoulder kind of eye idea. But even McKay was like, yeah, he's like, it's hard to communicate, but he's like, when I'm with good buddies, we like to, um, it, it's like this form of communication where you, 
and he i think he said like tear each other down but it's all it's like this communication of like that's how you're complimenting each other and that's how you're doing you're, you're like kind of speaking to each other um and i, I kind of thought about that it stuck with me a little bit from um from the talk or from that podcast of there is just something true um in in that of like man it's really really nice just to be around um i mean that's the, being at ipf a couple of weeks ago that was part of it not that it was that all the time but it was just really good to be around um other priests and just but other just guys you know that like man this is really actually helpful in trying to orient my life on holiness because it's actually authentic and there's a certain level of um just comfortableness that's here but anyway i that was super rambly but uh it just thought you said like the feminization of of religion which i agree with like that is very prevalent um and i think at the the human level there's something kind of getting at there what you're talking about mike which i like so i don't know if you want to go down all that tangential stuff but that's just what was coming to mind and by feminization i don't mean like oh church is girly and it needs to oh be yeah more, no, no, no it needs to be more butch i i just think like um our concepts of femininity and masculinity now are so confused uh and superficial that it's i think it's harder for men to see where do i fit in here you know um and how am i, how am I supposed to be both to my family and to the church the wider wider world um to put my gifts at the service of of god um yeah and so we, they just opt out a lot of men like oh, i guess it's not for me right um but what i'm thinking of uh have i told this story on here recently about father hennessy's dad when he first felt a call to priesthood when he was a kid um i just love this story i've been thinking about it a lot uh as here saint joseph talks hmm. i even if you have told it, I'm down for a Father Hennessy story anytime. <laughs> he was mm-hmm. he was really young. He just started altar serving, I think, and it might have been the old mass. And he he talked to his dad that he during mass had this thought that he should be a priest, um, as he imagined it, uh, like him in that position. He he just thought like maybe I should do that. And his dad asked him. Well, was it beautiful? And Father Hennessy, little eight or nine-year-old Father Hennessy said yes. And he goes, well, then we should pay attention to that. Um, which I've kind of been using as my uh, my icon of the chaste spouse. Chaste in the sense that, like Pope Francis puts it in the letter about the year of St. Joseph, like um, revering the freedom of the other, the one that you're responsible for, um, and speaking with authority into their experience not like because you could approach that as a parent one of three ways you could do that way which is draw out what god is doing in this person as an as an other person who's a free creature of god and responding to his grace even if he's nine years old or you could say no no you should you should go to college and get a, a regular job and maybe if you still feel that you can but or like i want grandkids and kind of like suppress that desire or you can hear that and run with it and be like oh he's going to be a priest great we're going to have a priest in the family and then push him in that direction but like true chastity 
whether in marriage or in celibacy is like you're, you're there for the person and you are helping them, uh, you're helping guide them towards God, but not in any way, according to your own willfulness or ego, you know, um, that's like Jesus's active priesthood. He learned perfect obedience through suffering was like in his humanity to consecrate absolutely everything he said and did to the father saying, I don't do anything on my own. Only what I see the father doing, you know, father, if this cup can pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Um, that that's the way, <clears throat> the way to freedom. And that's like true priesthood is that kind of sacrifice, not Holocaust or oblations, but, but, a a heart, you know, that's totally consecrated. And that I think is, is truly manly, you know, like it, it, it requires a kind of self-possession that when you, when you meet a man like father Hennessy, who is, I'm sure like his dad, uh, we all felt that when we were around him, like he loves us. Um, and he's going to speak truth even when it's hard and I don't want to hear it, but it is only for my good. You know what I mean? Um, but I think that the, when we don't have that, we don't sense like how to do that. We haven't had that modeled. Well, we fall into these kind of false masculinities and manlinesses where it's just like, I don't talk about my feelings. I'm too hard, you know, um, let's drink a beer and talk about a sport you know like okay those are the trappings like men tend to behave like that more than women uh they tend to be less emotional whatever but that's not essential to what it means to be a man you know it's not your vocation um but this sort of thing where you're, you're vulnerable to reality and that, that's the other thing pope francis said about saint joseph is that he humbly accepted reality as it was oh my wife is actually the spouse of the Holy Spirit and I'm going to be a chaste celibate even though I'm in marriage. Okay. I heard it in a dream. That's okay. I will, I'll, I'll do that. Oh, Herod's going to kill this kid if I don't take him all to Egypt. All right, let's go. You know, and just didn't like impose his own will on his life, but was humble, but still took responsibility for, yeah, what he was on for. Yeah, and one of the things that I noticed, I mean, I, I love those quotes. Yeah, St. Joseph, he's such a good model um, for fathers and for for priests. Um, he humbly accepted reality as it was, not as it as he thought it should have been. That's words to live by right there. It's certainly easier said than done, but um, I, I noticed and, and I work, you know, I'm somehow the Spanish speaking priest here at my parish. And, um, so I work a lot with, uh, the Spanish speaking community. And I, I noticed, uh, it was really helpful for a lot of these dads who, like you said, like they didn't really know their place in the world of religion as it related to their family. Um, you know, it kind of seems like they, they get to feel like, when you come to church, it's like taking a photo where somebody's in charge and they just tell you where to stand and they don't really know where they're supposed to be. So they kind of shuffle here and shuffle there and make sure their kids are listening to mom. And <laughs> that's like, that's their role, but they don't really understand what they're, 
what they're supposed to do. And so to say like, hey, no, you have a, an essential role in the good of your family. And it's to look to Jesus to learn how to teach your family to look to Jesus. And that's how you're supposed to follow. That it was actually authentically empowering for them as lay people to learn to live as, you know, better fathers by, by looking to this, this authentic priesthood of Jesus Christ. And one of the examples that I, I drew out and it's always stayed with me from, from John Paul II's life. Uh, And it's, it's probably another living example of that Hennessy story that you mentioned but he says that he learned to pray. You know, he lost his mom really young, but that he learned to pray watching his dad pray, that he would just come in and it was just like school of prayer where he would he would come in and and he would pray with him before he goes to bed and he would kneel down and, and watch his dad and, and really devout, authentic conversation with Jesus. And just that that reality that he looked to his father to learn how to pray like a priest. But then as a priest, you know, John Paul became the father of the whole church. And now we priests look to him to learn how to pray like a father of a church. It was like, well, how do I be, how do I be a spiritual father? Well, I looked at, to John Paul to, to see what it looks like to be the father of a church. And, but he looked to his dad. And so this, this mutually generative relationship where fathers nurture the priestly vocation and, and not even specifically like um, n- not just the sacramental priesthood, but fa- authentic fatherhood nurtures authentic priesthood, even within the priesthood of the baptized. So there's going to be other dads of children, biological, biological children that can pray like, like fathers and like priests in their own families. Um, and then when dads have priests to look to and, and to pray with as a family in the larger community, that it helps them to be better fathers, which helps them to nurture, um, you know, that fatherhood and that priesthood within their own families. So to see that these things are not competitive in, in any way, but that they're, they're meant to give life to one another and that they, they can't exist independently and it just gets to this beautiful relationship that exists between like the father's great plan that comes from his heart for how he intended the family to look like his church to look. And it was, um, you know, all directed to the father, like you said, with Christ, um, all comes from the father to the father through Jesus guided by the Holy spirit. And, and so it was it was wonderful to be able to to teach that and to at least to be able to illustrate like very simple points you know when your blessing has actual power because you are their father and so like mark them with your fatherly presence mark them with your fatherly love with the sign of of salvation that means so much and it's up and down the bible it's up and down salvation history like fathers giving their children their blessings do that, do that, because I do that every day for y'all, you know, before I leave mass, I give y'all all my blessing, like as my, as my children, um, me, father, Mike, give you my blessing, do that for your children, 
mark them and teach them to pray and and just kind of giving them some concrete stuff that says like hey you're not just a fixture in your family when it comes to the relationship to God but you're meant to be this this bridge that communicates the priesthood of Jesus and the heart of the father um yeah in communion with the holy spirit for your whole family and like that's such a that's such a beautiful vocation uh so to kind of flesh some of those things out was it was fun and and legitimately it kind of gave them some sort of direction i think that they they were hungry for like i don't know what to do i'm just kind of standing around and i'm looking to my you know i i don't know what to do i i stand here and then i i stand there and i am like the the chauffeur for my family to church but nothing else and um so it was fun and you could see that there was some life that was born within them nice you know i'm thinking of is um that story that father brian welter told at, at ipf last week rob do you remember this about the granddad who took his granddaughters to that that uh youth group oh trip? yeah oh yeah he's telling this story i think he was in the parish at the time and as a teen group that went to do some mission trip and um he was getting up early like sunrise and every day on this trip there was this old man who was with them as like one of the chaperones who was sitting on a bench with his with his boots untied and uh welter noticed him the first couple days and was like oh look he's taking his time lacing up his boots and uh he went over there one morning like the third or fourth day and he realized he was praying the rosary and he talked to him and turns out he was this farmer who was retired and uh, had this granddaughter who her and her friend wanted to go on. They heard about this trip at their parish didn't have a youth group. So they asked him if he would drive them all these hours to get to this place. And he just like loaded up these two teenage girls into his car and took them down to this trip. And he didn't know from youth groups and he's just like, getting up every morning doing what he's always done, which is his prior to the sunrise rosary and praying for his granddaughters and trying to put them in a spot to, to, uh, meet God and, and like grow into their identity as, as women and Christians. And, uh, to your point about priests learning from fathers and vice versa, um, this was like this really inspiring moment for, for father Brian, because, um, what I thought of when he told that story was like, when you're doing marriage prep, um, do I, you know, can you help a, a man picture what, what is it going to be like when you're, when you're 75, are you going to be like on a golf course, you know, somewhere in Arizona or nothing wrong with that, by the way, but, or are you, or, or like this guy, like doing whatever you can for your children and your children's children to bring them to Christ, you know, and just the, the humility of this guy uh, who'd worked his whole life pretty hard. And, uh, you know, like <clears throat> I think a lot of times we also live in a culture that, that worships youth and the elderly, like we, we kind of dispose of them sadly and just like put them in places where like, okay, they're taken care of. But like, that is such a, if you think of Abraham and um, or Isaac blessing Jacob, that's the that's a funny father blessing story where it's kind of like he dupes him, but 
um, like how much that that blessing of an old dying man meant, you know, like this is how this is how the faith has been passed on for thousands of years and how our identities are rooted in where we came from and where we're going. Um, that's fatherhood. It's not like, oh, we're going to have a baby and I'm a new dad. And like, that's great. But that's one stage of what it means to both you, your family growing towards God and you as a man in the context of this committed love, becoming who you're meant to be, you know, and it's, it's not flashy. It's like John Paul II's dad teaching this little kid how to pray and he becomes Pope one day. Like you have no idea what, what kind of fruit fatherhood can bear if it's lived. Uh, but I love that example. I've been, I've been thinking about it a lot since I heard it. Um, because that's, I think you used the analogy long, long ago of, uh, Frodo leaving the Shire. Um, I think the more I grow into celibacy and the priesthood, the more I grow to love marriage and really want married people to live happy marriages, uh, that, yeah, aren't, are not like this mediocre, oh man, I'm married, uh, I miss our single days, but like living into the adventure of it and the joy uh, of what it means to be given this responsibility. Uh, it's insane and beautiful, but I don't know. I think we sell, we sell ourselves pretty short when we, when we don't open it up to God's grace, you know, and God's will. Like I want this many kids on this timeline or I want to live in this place or, or whatever. Like you look at St. Joseph and he did not have a five-year plan of like, let's just like be married for a few years and see what that's like and, and enjoy it. Uh, it's just like the moment you lay your life down, like a, as a priest on ordination day, you're like, okay, send me, this is my job. Um, I for, personally, I find that much more invigorating than trying to like design my life to be content. You know what I mean? And I would venture to say it would be more appealing to men in general. Yeah, I, I agree. It's beautiful stuff. And I, I agree with, with all of it. I guess the, the question, like, why, why is it, why is that so hard to, to actually see and cultivate or like, how do, how do you do it uh, or help people do it? And I, and I get the idea. I know, I'm, I mean, the answer to that is holiness and like, and maybe, maybe it's as simple as, as that. Um, but do, do you see what I'm asking yeah. there? Well, I think there, I mean, I, it, I don't know the answer to this, but I, I know there's a lot of things working against it. And part of it is not just the shoulder to shoulder, like men do need friends and just like priests need priest friends, um, to encourage each other. But like the way that the, the way that men relate to women and vice versa also needs to be, um, I don't know, but sanctified and open to a, a different kind of way of relating. Uh, I think pornography and uh, the the culture of of sex and responsibility makes it so that um, 
there's not this reverence of like Ephesians 5, men love your wives as Christ loves the church. Um, that That's the priesthood of the father. And um, I just don't think <laughs> Chesterton had this thing about uh, Christ's mandate that you can't divorce your wife and marry another. He's like, to the, to the man who's been like converted and really sees the world through God's eyes uh, as a creature and appreciates it is not like, oh, I can only have one woman. That's ridiculous. Um, because you realize like how insane it is the gift of even having a woman, you know, that she exists and that you, you exist to, to serve her and protect her and to provide, um, like he says, the best way to stop coveting your neighbor's wife is to covet your own wife, um, to not in the possessive sense, but just being ironic, like, uh, yeah, that, that kind of love, I feel like is, is there's many ways it's dissipated, uh, these days and, and that false masculinity, um, of domineering of manipulation, of using, uh, abusing your strength. It needs to be, yeah. Like we learn who we are by looking at Christ, especially men, uh, but all of us, but like you look at, you look at Christ on the cross and like, that's a real man. Um, but there's a gentleness there and, and stuff. So yeah, the answer is holiness, but, um, also right. like to reject a lot of the false images, um, that are out there. Well, I know, I know we're, we're closing in on time, but, um, if you want Rob, uh, how have you been able to do it in your own priesthood and fatherhood? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a big, it's a big question. Um, I may table it like just because of, of yeah. time here. Um, can I submit yeah. that Baron? <laughs> Baron is a good example for us. Yeah, uh, for sure. What, what it means to be a father and a priest. Um, and I think, I mean, for me that his stuff was why my dad converted and read the gospel of Luke with me and took me to confession and, you know, completely turned a corner in my own faith as a teenager and why I'm here today, uh, is because of Baron's fatherhood of my dad and my dad's fatherhood of me. Mm. Um, so at least that's, that's an example of it breaking through. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be done. Yeah. Even though Baron's younger than my dad. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good question. I think it's spot on. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have any time to be continued or much else to say, I guess, at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so it's offered to God. Lord, help us. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Well, I like that it's passed on, that that's a, a part of how we move forward is, um, you know, receiving, looking to the Father, which means looking to our own Father's um, when they provide that example of, of the heavenly father, but, you know, similar to your baron, to your dad, to you example, um, father Brett 
was that to my father in a lot of ways, Father Brett Brannon, um, just awesome priest. And he, he helped my dad be a great dad. And, uh, and of course, Father Brett, like you can push it. Father Brett learned from John Paul II. Like he would say it time and time again, John Paul II like lit my heart on fire to be a dad and a, and a priest in a new way. And so even there, like that little example of Carol Waitio's dad praying before going to bed, like literally changed the world. That's insane. Yeah, that's cool. This teeny seed of, of fatherhood uh, and learning how to pray and accepting reality as it is. Good gravy in Poland during World War II and your family's dying around you. And there he is night after night teaching his son how to pray. And, and the fruit that that bore is insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. I love the practicalness of your talk as well of like teaching, teaching guys that they can bless their kids and like should be invited to do that. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really good stuff. Just, man, that's a, that's, I mean, we were hitting on a super layered topic. There's yeah. a lot, there's a lot there, but I do have to go dudes. Yeah. So I told him to just do self-flagellation. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yep. Jansenism. Jansenism. Got to go. Have to go. All right. All right see ya. <laughs> Later. <laughs> I got to go too. All right. See you, dude. See ya. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.